welcome to the Painter Bride Quarterly Slush Pile. Our objective in this podcast is to make you think, make you laugh, and um, hopefully also give you some insight as to what goes on during the editorial process. The work that we discuss on these episodes is work that has been submitted to our regular portal. And um, once we find something that's already kind of scratching at our brains, we uh, contact the author, ask for permission, and then we uh, discuss it on air. So these editors are underprepared, as always. <laughs> Everybody's going to see and hear this for the first time right now, including you. Um, but the me that is speaking and nattering on is Kathleen Volkmiller. I'm co-editor of the Painter Bag Quarterly and director of the graduate program in publishing here at Trexel University. We are in the sound studio in Philadelphia. And to my left is... I am Tim Fitz, and I'm the author of two short story collections. I read for the Panda Bride Quarterly, and I have two new pieces, three new pieces of flash fiction in the issue of the Adirondack Review, and one, uh, two in the Adirondack Review, and one in the current issue of Fugue. By the time this comes out, and sitting next to me is Ali. Hello, I am uh, Ali Ziavash. I am Kathleen's current co-op here at the DPG and PBQ. Yes, I'm I coming think at you the, tell them. Yeah, I'm coming at the end <laughs> of my six month uh, reign here as as the co-op. But I have good news, everyone, that I will <laughs> I will be continuing until March as, as the PBQ co-op. Yeah. <laughs> Champagne popping sounds, champagne popping sounds, champagne popping sounds. <laughs> Let's cue the air horns now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very happy. This is unprecedented that we've had somebody for a consecutive year, and I'm uh, thrilled beyond belief that it's Ali who's breaking that barrier. Um, Does that mean we should wait to have our fight between Ali and one of our <laughs> listeners? <laughs> that's until true. March? Until March, yeah. So yeah. when he, he can get fired? Yeah, in the last week. Yeah, that's true. Good call. Sounds good. Good call. Excellent point. So, who's out there in the desert? Hi. So it's Marion. Um, uh, this is Marion Wren. I am the head of the writing program here at NYU Abu Dhabi and co-editor of PBQ for um, a couple of years. And um, I am thrilled to be teaching a class this semester called Taste, Culture, and the Self. And part of the homework for those students. They have to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you give them a particular episode or you just let them u- loose? Um, I'm letting them graze and find their way in. Um, but their first paper, they actually have to pick a poem and write a critical analysis of the poem. Um, and it could be a poem from PBQ um, or one of the poems that I've selected. And as you know, constant lister, um, Kathy came to visit me last year in, in Abu Dhabi and visited with the class. And it was so much fun to do that. Um, we're going to read to again this year and, and maybe figure out a way of bringing Kathy back to campus for um, some further adventures. So stay tuned. Um, and sitting right next to me is... Hi, I'm Samantha Nukabauer, and I am an instructor here, uh, Marion, at NYU. And I'm originally from Philadelphia, which is the home of PBQ. So I'm glad to be here tonight. Yeah, from and Upper Darby to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> before I turn it back to you all tonight, I, we have a little confession to make, Uh-oh. which is 
So we're sitting here like huddled next to the laptop, like a, like we're sitting around a campfire mm-hmm. almost. I was going to um, say witches. Like little witches. <laughs> exactly. But behind us is the sound of like tinkling water, which might actually sound like somebody <laughs> tinkling, but it's, um, we got my cat an Abu Dhabi water fountain. So it's like a water feature that she's drinking from. And I should have turned it off, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it because she loves so much. Mm-hmm. So the sound of peeing is my cat's water fountain. Thank you very much. Back to you. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. I don't think we were hearing it, but I'm glad. You know. <laughs> so I, I need to ask you, though, is it a decorative water fountain or is it something that she just happens to drink from or is it made for cats? So it's made for cats okay. and it really is just something she drinks from. And it looks more space agey than like blinged out. But I figured since we're in Abu Dhabi, I wanted to put either Google eyes or sparkles on it mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to make it a little more, you know, substantial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get out your glue gun, girl. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, there's no segue out of this. Um, but let me say that, you know, I'm excited to have uh, Samantha back after all these months and excited to hear about her adventures in Australia and elsewhere. And um, but now we are doing something completely different, as always. Uh, this is a piece of creative nonfiction. And um, the reason why I want to talk about it for a minute is it's set up uh, as one giant paragraph. And then it's a list, and then it goes back to a paragraph. And um, we don't usually, with prose, read it on the show, but we decided that this one was short enough that would do so. And um, I'm going to have to ask to to pause. We have to blurb this out. His name's not on here. Oh, shit. Actually, listen. This is a big edit, y'all. We don't have the same thing. Our- <laughs> oh, my God. I love you guys. Oh, That's my scary. Lord. Okay. All right. So I should pretend I'm... I already described what it looks like on the page. Okay. Okay. So this piece is by Andrew Bertana. And you can um, look at it on our website on the podcast episode that um, that is associated with this episode, what? The page that's associated with this episode. All right, you can read along, but I'm gonna read it to you right now, right? You ready, you ready? Okay, it's called The Offering. At church this morning, I passed around a collection plate to gather up the scraps of all the people I have known. The bowl was silver and its size was like that of space. Inside, I found, a hike through a hailstorm in Colorado where blue jays were eating each other's babies. I found an evening spent from midnight till morning talking about the way that I dreamed of divinity. I found a piece of a tetherball string still wound tightly around a silver pole. I found a pocket of gummy worms unopened thrown in the trash can at recess. I found a small side yard where I dug for dinosaur bones. I found a picture with the words, I love you, written across the top. I found tears and tears until I was swimming through all the tears, trying to remember why we are all such bizarre puzzles. I found a slip of paper with someone's email on it that I threw in the trash. I found a cabin in the woods with a couch and a blanket. I found a picture of you standing with me in the same shirt I wore only two weeks ago, but it was more than a decade ago. 
I found that the years start to run together like water that you can't separate out the moments that you used to. I found pictures of people in wedding dresses and tuxedos, people that I used to know, and I smiled at their happy faces because they made me happy when I knew them. I found a picture of San Francisco, stiff breezes off the bay, always so damn cold. And inside the picture was another picture of a hospital, and inside that hospital, a memory of people who are now dust. I found an evening in the mountains of San Santa Barbara, and a sunrise too. I found a picture of five of us sitting in a room talking about the ways in which we had failed, the ways in which we'd like to succeed. I found a picture of a piano and green couches. I found a picture of a mountain trail, pine trees, and old bear scat. I found a picture of the ocean of your hand and mine before we glided together. I found a picture of a tower in Italy, a winding staircase leading to a view of some ancient city. I spent the evening afterward sorting all these pictures into specific piles, afternoons that could have lasted forever, times I went to the ocean, women that I have loved, women that I did not have the time to get around to loving, people that I once knew, people that I used to know and wish I still knew. Avenues that I have walked down. Avenues that I wish I had walked down. Pictures of places that I am not remembering properly. After I was done organizing these moments, I wrote them all down on the computer screen, which flickered in and out just like memory does. I know that thousands, millions, far more numerous than the stars are still missing. I want you to know that I'm trying to remember all of you despite the futility of it. I'm reaching out to the people I have known and the people I will know. I miss all of you already. So the next time you see me, let's meet. Not as if we were strangers, but as people who have, for longer than they can remember, been very much in love. Bravo. Abu Dhabi sends praises to Philadelphia. That was a beautiful reading. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. So. I'm making Tim speak first. Well, I um, came across this in the submittable um, page in the, in the, on the website. And. Generally, when I really like something, I know within the first sentence, there's just some sort of thing about it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I instantly want to read it instead of have to read it. Mm. Um, and I really don't like reading things that I have to read. In fact, I don't read most things that I have to read. I've been able to manage 48 years of my life. Not very well doing that. <laughs> but I feel like it's been compensated by liking things in the first sentence as well. So there are some reasons why I like this as I kept reading. And one, a couple of things really stand out to me. And um, I like the image of all these scraps with all these different lives. But I love that it seems to bring about the idea that at church, the idea of fellowship is usually lost. It's usually, I notice so many sermons are about uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection. And I don't want to downplay that important part of 
Christianity or Catholicism or anything under that umbrella. But the point of church really is fellowship and for people to get to know each other. And uh, there's a passage in Matthew that talks about how all you need is two or three people who meet in his name to have a church. And I like that idea of two. I mean, even if I'm with two or three people and we're talking about church stuff on Sunday morning, I still feel guilty for not being in a building. And it's crazy. Uh, And I love how this evokes all of that. And it makes me feel better about not being hung up on the physical structure. I mean, any time a poem or a story gets me thinking off in these avenues, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like it's not a coincidence that it's also beautifully written. But, you know, I'm generally I'm game mm-hmm. when, when it does that. So the collection plate itself was very meaningful to you. That's what you you kept that in your brain pan as you read. The collection plate yeah. seems to be very evocative for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think I'm going to let, without asking Tim's permission first, I'm going to let our readers and the rest of, this, of the crew know that Tim and I were both at a um, department meeting, not sitting near each other. And let's just put it this way, since this is publicly on air. Um, we were finding the need to multitask. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> and um, and it was such a pleasure to get an email from Tim while I'm sitting four people away from Tim <laughs> saying, how about this for the podcast? <laughs> so um, I just wanted to say that, that it did. Um, it was it gave us, I think, both a moment of um, of respite and thoughtfulness in the middle of this meeting. I am so glad you just used those words. Right? Oh. So this. This piece, right, this short little piece, what is it, two pages long? It's 594 words. It creates a kind of um, timelessness, right? Like, you know, Samantha and I have been run ragged for the last couple of weeks with the start of the semester. and We were both sort of laughing today at the levels of exhaustion, which have made us sort of like giddy and Mm -hmm. cackling a lot. (laughs) And at one point I was laying down on the floor and slapping the floor mm-hmm. saying, how is this possible? How is this possible? How do we keep going at this level? Um, but to come to this piece, I feel like it, it made me um, compose myself mm-hmm. and it gave me my time back wow. because it made me pay attention and it paid me back with beautiful images that spiral up out of that initial plate of offering, right? That initial offering, this spiral into what seems like, like wind chimes of stuff, just stuff that then gets read and represented as the very thing that holds us together. Right. And these categories of desire that culminate in this message of just like a kind of non-duality, right? A connectedness mm-hmm. if that feels like itself a prayer. It's beautiful. I'm so glad you found this in the slush pile. Holy mackerel. Yeah, I agree. I wasn't able to articulate what I liked about it after I first read it until you spoke, Tim, and mentioned this idea of fellowship. Yeah. And I believe strongly in community. And um, this piece actually reminds me of... um a project by by a writer um, and public speaker named Hannah Bruncher. Mm-hmm. And um, what Hannah does is she has um, an organization called Law Letters. And when you have someone in your family or a friend who is facing illness, um, quite often like terminal illness, she solicits from like the wider world 
um, people to write love letters to this person. Mm. And then she aggregates them all and then sends them to your house. Mm. And when my own father was sick, we did this. And he received many different kind of eclectic letters. Um, and they reminded me a lot of this. Sometimes people included pictures and, mm-hmm. and different things. And I realize now that like, if you don't have, you know, that, that community or something, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that recreation of it is so mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love this. I, I love all these different pieces that people are giving them themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, into this, this greater good mm-hmm. or the common good, maybe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I really enjoyed this piece. It, it felt a lot to me, like almost like the, the flashback sequence you have that they say, but you have before you die. Oh. Um, you experience all of the, the memories coming into a rush. You know, um, a lot of these images are very good. Some of them I feel are stronger than others. Um, I, mm-hmm. It starts off on a very high point, but I feel like it dips at certain places. But I really love the overall um, form of this of this mm-hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. I love that we're all getting different. Um, it's evoking different things for us. You know, the offering, the death moment, you know, where your whole life flashes before your eyes. I like that it's not about love of a. Uh, to a particular woman or even only his romantic relationships, but just people, people that I used to know and wish I still knew, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that Andrew Bertina will forgive me for saying that um, many years ago, I read a piece in Brevity um, by Brian Arundel, and it's called The Things of Lost. And it's one big prose block that's reminiscent of this because it's a mixture of um, metaphorical things like, you know, my faith, (laughs) along with a black leather glove in the back of a taxi in Boston in 1998. You know, and I use that as a writing prompt uh, for years now. And um, students, both adults and students, and undergrads at Drexel um, really, really get a, a, a lot out of it. And now I'm thinking that I want this to be a companion piece because it's such a, such a successful prompt, the other piece, that they, you know, I'm very tempted always to just do that again because I know different fodder would come out of folks, you know. And this is a slightly different approach. I mean, with that whole arc of the offering, um, it's different than the things I've lost and would evoke, I think, different things, you know, even if one did let their life flash before them and just try to list out everything and then pick some stuff to write about. Everything they would offer, right? Because these are things Mm -hmm. that were offered to the greater group, but what would we ourselves offer? Mm -hmm. And in a way, I guess, for this writer, he's offering this piece to us, which I like. Mm -hmm. You know, and I apply to this too, right? There's, There's something about... Like if, like I know it starts with the offering, and we're at church this morning. But there's something about the way this this like flotsam and jetsam, this this these sort of images um, are stitched together that almost feels like an accumulation of stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. and and like not not quite trash, right? But seemingly um, 
you know, not the obviously valuable, let's say. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this like sifting through, sifting through, sifting through, like, you know, it almost feels like a freaking storage unit. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're not hundred percent sure what, where the value Mm -hmm. lies. And then this movement to categorization and then desire. And then again, this affirmation and like, like, Uh like prayer move at the Mm -hmm. end is really quite, quite lovely. And just happened to have um, taught Joan Didion's on keeping a notebook the mm-hmm. other day. And that too, like that principle of turning a notebook right into a container mm-hmm. for shreds and patches that eventually like either radiate meaning or lose meaning. Mm-hmm. Right. But the meaning is in the author, right. Like in coming back to the journal and mm-hmm. making something of it. Right. Or in this case, it's like all the stuff that's in this, this, um, you know, the collection plate that, that might not have obvious value is precisely where the value lies. And it's in what the speaker or the poets or the, the, the writer is doing with those images mm-hmm. that really does something to a reader. Like it's that, it feels really, you know, kind of alchemical. Well, I think that's what makes me think like keeping a notebook or, or here looking through these scraps is different than yeah. the curation of like social media. Because I've heard lots of people yeah. like in, in our classes when they were talking about social media say like Instagram is curation, mm-hmm. right? But it's curation in a way that's like for other people and you spend a lot of time on it where in your journal, kind of the mosaics you're creating there are perhaps right. for your eyes only. Yeah. So, so they're not as stylized. Um, but something else I wanted to add to was when I take any of these images, like one is just tears and tears. It can fit in so many of these different categories, right? Mm-hmm. Like times I went to the ocean or women that I did not have time around to get around to loving. And, and I like that how we don't actually know what categories they're in right? or if they overlap, right? right. People I knew once, right? So, so many of these different images can fit into so many of the categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I, um, that's the structure that I was talking about at the beginning. So we have this giant, a full page of text, and then we have the list, which is the categories when he's sitting down, you know, and, and sorting them. And that's just, it's such a great image too, because you know, that he's not really doing it, you know, like as if these memories were photographs, right? Mm-hmm. After I was done organizing these moments. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot too. And that would be interesting for the writing prompt. Are you, are, would you tell the writers from the beginning that they're going to have to create categories or would you have them write out their kind of list of images and then, you know, surprise them with part two? I, I think the option B for sure for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's interesting, just a sort of side note, how historically specific this is. Um, <clears throat> I think I, I'm, I would say, sort of right in the middle of middle age. And it seems like in my generation, we still have, I'm still, I'm still someone who knows people who I wish I still knew. And I don't think that happens to people who are much younger because you've been connected your whole life. So there's some people I've just never been able to reconnect with on Facebook or I can't Google them. They're just not, I know they're doing stuff Mm -hmm. um, or I've found them, but I can't find their email attached to where they are or they you know, and there's just no way to get in touch with them. Um, and I, I don't know if that happens to people who are under 30. Um, Does that happen? Sure. I mean, Ollie's I, under 30? For, for like people I that I knew in preschool, <laughs> <or> preschool. <laughs> kindergarten, uh-huh. you know, but 
<clears throat> I feel like it's very easy nowadays for for my generation to keep in touch with each other. Yeah. Like after middle school, everybody, you know, I, I have contact with generally everybody that I, I would like to. Mm-hmm. Everybody you would like to. That's the key element. <laughs> yeah, I was recently watching the, that uh, trilogy again, the Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, yeah, yeah. Before Midnight. And oh. I was thinking about how that, that probably just would not happen, the first one in Vienna. Like yeah. you would exchange something, some right. kind of, yeah. you know, knowledge or you would have a friend of a friend. And even with the first name, it's, it's pretty easy to track someone down yeah <laughs> we're so stalkable now right yeah. even even whatever information they did share the one of them would have been able to find the other i mean yeah don't they say that okay. there's like only so many degrees of separation between yeah. all of us yeah but wait a second ali so i let me let me just wrap my my head around this because i'm a little bit tired and mildly fatutzed from a crazy week like i are you saying that there are people in your life that you knew that you I mean, is there is there anybody in your life that you cannot connect to? Well, I have a well. This is odd, but I have a very distinct memory of a, a friend that I had in preschool, who I think yeah. of uh, often, but I only remember his first name, and I, I'll never be able to to connect with that individual because I won't be like it, it'll have to be a miracle, right? Mm. You, you run into him at a supermarket or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Say his name. Maybe he's um, a post- <laughs> <laughs> That's it, It's Brett, but I'm not certain what his last name was at all. I'd have That's to ask Brett. my mother. Maybe and, she'd and remember. And what time was this? Uh, this was in... Um, We're going to find him. We're going to find him. I believe it's Haskell, New Jersey. Okay. Brett from Haskell. <laughs> Are you 20? You're, you're 27, so right? 27, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Brett, who's currently 27 and grew up in Haskell, New Jersey, please... Please write Ollie. Now, if we could get Brett to fight Ollie, if we could get Brett from Haskell, New Jersey, to fight Ollie, we could charge money for that. Big money. Yeah. All right, we're all getting ripped right off. Brett, you're out there. Ollie's coming after you. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so. Ladies and gentlemen, do you think we're ready to vote? It might be time. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, shoot. The Abu Dhabians are texting Joe. We threw thumbs here in the studio. And it's unanimously in. Woo! Now, now, as I always want to do, since we do um, market this in some ways as a uh, as pedagogical, as it were, um, just so you all know, Andrew, when I wrote out to him, had revised this and he had revised it into five or six pages. Mm. Yep. Yep. So those little pieces that you see, like maybe maybe a cabin in the woods with a couch and a blanket, we get a whole paragraph on that. Right. And we get a paragraph on uh, the mountains in Santa Barbara. And um, sometimes you got to know when to stop. Right. Right. I, I, I always go back to that. Which is also from the movie Six Degrees of Separation. <laughs> wow. It all, yeah. It's full circle. Wow. 
You guys remember that? When Donald Sutherland praises the work of kindergartners, <laughs> the art of kindergartners, and he asks the teacher, how do you make them create this? How do you get them to do this work? And she goes, I just tell them when to stop. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. What a great way to end a podcast, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> the episode has to be called Six Degrees of Separation. Absolutely. That's, that's I just wrote that down, Marion. <laughs> I love that we're connected 8,000 miles away. I love it. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Your hand possessed mine, and I wrote it down right this moment. All right. Well, I love you. I love our readers. Um, I mean, listeners. Readers and listeners. I love them all. Um, so, everybody, tell us what we're doing. Tell us how we're doing. Send us questions. And um, keep reading. Thank you very much. Yay. Woo!